Hey everyone, welcome back to the Table Rock Digging Deeper podcast. This week, we're going to switch seats and Tristan's in the hot seat and I'm going to lead us through our conversation as we dive into Galatians. And Tristan, there's a reason that we want to talk about Galatians and I think it's because you've been studying this book for the last few weeks, months. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. We, we just kind of thought this would be a fun idea for you guys, um, changing up the content a little bit. Uh, just kind of a reflections on Galatians episode as, as it's something that, that I've been studying. So, Yeah, I'm, man, I'm really excited. So maybe if you want to start with just general reflections on the letter as a whole, and then maybe we can drill down into some key things that have stood out, some key movements that, that uh, you've seen as you've spent time in this letter. Yeah, definitely. I, I guess to, to start out, I think reading this, um, it gave me kind of a, a really fresh appreciation for Paul uh, mm. and, and for his ministry. Um, obviously, I've always admired Paul and his ministry, but but I think, uh, you know, it's just another one of those letters, kind of like you see a similar back and forth with the Corinthians in First and Second Corinthians, where, um, man, there's a, there's a lot of people after Paul, <laughs> out to get Paul, uh, seeking yeah. to discredit Paul. And his ministry is just so characterized by um, people constantly trying to, to undercut him, uh, calling into question his credentials. And, and so I think I, I just, you know, one of the things that really stuck out is, wow, that, that's going on in a big way here. And the way that Paul kind of deals with that and responds to it, I think is just so, so admirable. <laughs> um, yeah. He's got this, he's got this great line um, near the start where, where he says, you know, uh, am I am I now trying to you know please men or to please God? And he says, if I were trying to please men still, uh, you know, as I did in my former life, but if I if I was still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Yeah. So his his whole understanding of himself as a servant of Christ uh, is is orchestrated on the fact that he is living purely and wholly to please um, yeah. God. And, and so I think. Um, you know, the first couple chapters of Galatians are, are almost kind of confusing because he's he's working through and he's kind of laying out chronologically. Um, okay, um, God reveals His Son to me, um, and then he lays out this whole chronology of things that he did and and didn't do. And you can kind of tell that what he's doing is he's responding to all of these various kinds of accusations about him. It's it's almost yeah. as if you know people have been spinning all these tales about him. Um, in order to discredit him and, and, and kind of maybe to call into question his legitimacy as an apostle and his trustworthiness. Uh -huh. And so he has to go through this whole history <laughs> in this very kind of uh, peculiar way. So he starts off and he says, you know, when, when I, you know, when Christ appeared to me, when God revealed his son to me, I did not immediately go up to Jerusalem. So for some reason, that's important. Uh, he's responding to something there. Yes. And then he says, okay, after, you know, after three years, well, th then I went up and I visited uh, I visited Cephas, I visited Peter, and I didn't see anyone else, you know, besides James, the brother of Jesus, but, but no one else besides him. And so again, you're kind of thinking, why is that important? So again, he's responding to some kind of story uh, that's been spun about him. And, and the whole first couple chapters carry on that way, where it, it just feels like, man, there's just so many people kind of out to discredit Paul. And so kind of a, a couple of things that stood out to me about Paul and, and his response is, uh, for one, it's it's just so clear, like I already said, that he's not living to please men. He's not living to pander to the expectations and, and desires of men. Yeah. And and there's two characteristics I really wanted to point out, which was 
um, the best way I know how to say it is that in this letter, Paul is is breathing fire. <laughs> he he uh, he's he's not pulling any punches. He is, um, you know, he's not afraid to call these Galatians um, foolish, which is yeah. you know to our kind of uh, maybe sensibilities that sounds like what was that? Is that something you should really say, Paul? Um, and then you know later on in the letter, as if that wasn't enough. Uh, there's these false teachers who are kind of troubling the Galatians. And, and he says he wishes that they would emasculate themselves, which yeah. is, you know, just a nice way that your Bible yeah. has, has kind of tried to church up a little bit, uh, essentially <laughs> his castration. So we'll just say it. Um, yes. So, so Paul is pulling no punches here. Um, and, you know, I was kind of struck by like, we don't hear a lot of people talk this way today. Um, sure. our, our default mode is kind of, um, just to be very deferential and, and by no means is this like kind of a carte blanche to just be unnecessarily offensive or, you know, but, it, but one of the things I was really struck by as I was reading this is, man, Paul is breathing fire here because this issue is so important. And, and I'm just kind of thinking, you know, why don't, why don't we hear more people talking like this, uh, you know, in yeah. issues of, of this level of significance. But, but then the other thing I want to say about Paul is that he's not, um, He's not doing this out of pride. He's not doing this out of, um, you know, competition or, or, or even just, you know, hatred or anything like that. It's clear that he's compelled by love. He, he even describes himself as, as a mother in the pains of childbirth. So basically, mm, Paul, yeah. the reason he's so fired up is because he's going to, in full mama bear mode. He cares about these Galatians. He, he cares that they're being led astray. So I just thought in every way, Paul is just demonstrating himself as a man living coram Deo, living before God, living in God's presence. Uh, God is the one who is his audience. God is the one who he's living to please. And so that was one thing that really struck me about this letter. Yeah. I, I thought when you're began kind of talking about the opening of the letter, it could be a little confusing. It's helpful to remember that these are letters and there's some going back and forth. And it's, it's like we're listening in on a phone conversation, but we're only hearing one side of the phone call. Yep. And and it's not always true. Sometimes we get the beginning letter, but often, and then this would be a good example to remember that. And so you kind of have to dive in and try to understand what's going on in that time to understand really like what is moving Paul to you. And I think you rightly describe like this kind of fiery response. What is, you know, this piece that would move him to have such strong words and they were strong words that were needed you know, what, like, as you've spent time there, where, where have you landed? What is he getting at? What is, what's the challenge that has moved him to kind of push so strongly in this letter? Yeah, yeah. So I'd love to get into that. Um, I, I guess just to kind of highlight what you're saying there, Don, about like the, the tone of this letter is, so, so he starts off with kind of this nice greeting, first five verses. It, it feels yeah. in some ways like a greeting you might find in, in any epistle. But then in verse six, he just comes comes full on and, and really sets the tone. He says, I am astonished you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So right off the get-go, uh, it's clear that the stakes are very high uh, yeah. in what, what Paul is saying. And this is going to be, uh, this is surely going to be a really intense and emotional letter and, and sure thing it is all the way through. Um, but it's clear right from the get-go. So, so I guess the question is, if Paul is saying that in, in what these Galatians are doing, what they're buying into is a different gospel, the question is, what does he mean? What is this other gospel that they're buying yeah. into? And ultimately what that hinges on is the issue of circumcision. 
which yeah. to us might sound strange. Um, you know, I think most of us probably know what circumcision is, but it's not exactly a hot topic in our yeah. day. Um, True. But but then it really was. And, and to understand why it's kind of, uh, you know, when we think about the transition between um, kind of old covenant and mosaic law into new covenant in Christ, um, what's going on is, this is post-Christ. There's, there's, there's these Christian churches that have been established. But now there's these, these Jewish uh, Christians or, or, or Jewish um, believe, believers of a sort, I, I suppose you'd say. We'll have some criticisms of them. But they're coming into these, um, these Gentile churches, so these non-Jewish churches. And they're basically saying, look, um, you, guys, you guys believe in Jesus. Okay, that's great. Um, yes, he is God's Messiah. But you guys haven't been circumcised yet? Okay, well, that's a big issue. You don't actually belong to the people of yeah. God yet. You're not actually in in the people of God. You're not actually um, going to inherit God's promises because you haven't even you haven't even been circumcised. That's step one to belonging to the people of God. Listen to us Jews. We'll lead the way. And by the way, don't listen to Paul. He's a fake. <laughs> um, yep. So you know that that's kind of the setup. And I guess if we were trying to get behind, okay, what is the motivation for why these men were trying to get these Gentiles circumcised? Sure. And, and maybe what is the motivation that, that some of these Gentiles are, are giving into this and, and, and wanting to be circumcised? Paul kind of lays that out for us. Um, he says near the end of the book, he uses the language of removing the offense of the cross. Um, so they're, they're essentially in, in, in trying to proclaim circumcision in an environment where it's, 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 there's this Jewish uh, religious dominance. There's this Jewish religious establishment. They're trying to play nice with that establishment. And, and one of the ways that they're doing that is, you know, like Paul is saying, removing the offense of the cross. If, if you'll just be circumcised, if you'll submit to these, you know, yeah. Jewish laws and standards, well, then, you know, uh, well, then persecution isn't going to be so rough against you. People, you know, all the, this Jewish religious establishment isn't going to be trying to to persecute you if, if you just receive circumcision. And uh, Paul says at the end of the letter that, that these people who are promoting circumcision are trying to avoid being persecuted yeah. for the cross of Christ. So he's kind of really shining a light on what the motivation is behind why these folks are, are proclaiming circumcision. Um, they're, they're trying to fit in with a religious establishment. Um, but Paul's got some serious issues with it. So, but, but before we go there, I, I just kind of wanted to think about like today, um, if we think about this idea of removing the offense of the cross, maybe what are some ways, and this was kind of a reflection question I had for myself, um, that I would give to you guys as well is what are some ways that maybe we try to remove the offense of the cross today? So, you know, for Paul, the cross was offensive in this Jewish religious context because uh, you have all these Gentiles coming in who are uncircumcised. And that's a very controversial thing in that Jewish context. But what are the controversial, what are the controversial elements of the gospel in our context that yeah. maybe we kind of want to um, gloss over or remove the offense of? So, you know, maybe if I'm if I'm witnessing uh, about Christ to somebody, maybe maybe I kind of want to minimize those harder bits. I want to talk a little bit a lot less about sin and hell and more about Christ, sure. you know, fulfilling people's desires and helping them, you know, meet their potential. And, you know, so I think that's a good reflection question for us is 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 how might we be tempted to likewise uh, remove the offense of the cross? Um, I think it's a really important question for us to reflect on. Yeah, absolutely. And where you opened and started with Galatians 1.10, as someone who I know a tendency, a, a sin that can crop up in my life is this tendency to 
people please and Paul's call and uh, in, in character and what he displays in Galatians 1.10 that he's not seeking the approval of man, but of God. And if he was trying to please man, he wouldn't be pleasing Christ. Like that, those kind of questions, like how in my daily walk, my relationships with people, where am I trying to please man and, and afraid to press in knowing that the cross might be offensive here and yeah. people pleasing can rise up and, and make me soften and make me not say what needs to be said. And so I actually go back to that verse quite often and preach it to my soul to say, I, I do want one thing over my life and it's um, pleasing Christ, not my neighbor, wife or friend or coworker, yeah. whatever it may be. Absolutely. Yeah. And Paul uses that tendency. He, he describes it as making a good showing in the flesh that we desire to make a good showing uh, of ourselves before the world. Yeah, that's really good. Well, I was reading this morning in Romans 2, which is yet another spot where Paul has a lot to say about circumcision. And he's talking about, is there circumcision? Is there any value in it? Is, is it any gain to be circumcised? And what is the gain if there is? And, and so on and so forth, where he talks about the role of circumcision. So would you bring us in a little bit into like this issue is a big deal for Paul, not just in Galatians, but in Romans and in many other spots. Like, what's the role of circumcision? Why was that offensive in that day that they didn't need to be circumcised? Could you just paint some background for us? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of to give the background behind circumcision and why it was such a big deal to these false teachers and, and why it was such a big deal to Paul from the other side. Um, so circumcision was intimately connected to the Old Testament law. So there's this law that's given to to the Jews through Moses, uh, after the Exodus, they're brought out of Egypt, they're brought to Mount Sinai, God gives them this law. And circumcision is kind of uh, representative of that law, you know, kind of in its entirety. It's, it's kind of the first, it's like the first step uh, to being a faithful Jew is to, to receive circumcision. So um, Paul's going to make a big deal about this uh, in his own way, but it was certainly a big deal to the Jewish people at the time that belonging uh, in the people of God, under the old covenant, uh, step one is you got to get circumcised. So yeah. they're, they're, they're wanting to place that requirement on these new believers. And Paul's taking a uh, serious issue with that. Yeah. And to better understand why, why Paul's making serious issue of that is that essentially in doing that, what they're doing is they're, they're moving backward in the covenantal progression. So there was a time in which it was appropriate to receive yeah. circumcision under Absolutely. the old covenant. Um, but instead now, now a new covenant has been given. Uh, Christ has become incarnate. Um, Paul is going to talk a lot about the way in which, you know, the law was temporary, that this old covenant, which was established was a temporary thing. Um, he describes it in one spot in the letter as essentially a guardian, which was in place yep. until the appointed time. And now that, now that Christ has come, and faith in Christ, you are no longer under a guardian. You're no longer under uh, the law in that way. You're no longer relating to that to God by way of that old covenant. There's a new covenant. And so essentially what they're doing um, by promoting circumcision, Paul understands, is they're moving backward, back to that old covenant. Yeah. And in doing so, uh, really forsaking uh, the essence of, of what the new covenant is Paul says, you know, now that you have come to know God, like formerly you didn't know God, but now that you have come to know God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? 
Um, so he's, he's, he's identifying their turning back towards circumcision, not as a pious decision, but in light of the fact that a new covenant has been given and they're forsaking it and they're going back, he's, he's likening it to, to, to essentially worldliness. It, it's a worldly decision, even though it's wrapped yeah. in, in piety. And um, I think what we want to see more than anything is that this turn back to the Old Testament law is essentially contrary to faith. It's contrary to, to Christ. And that's, that's what's getting Paul so, so fired up. And, and it's really cool the way that he explains this. Um, he's kind of speaking from the perspective of a Jew who has kind of been there, done that. So these are, these are yeah, non-Jewish true. Christians who are kind of, they're very interested in what these Jewish uh, believers are having to say to them. They're trying to teach them about the Jewish law. That's kind of new to them. They want to hear about it. Um, Paul's like, well, hey, I've been there. I've done that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a Jew. Let me tell, let me tell me, tell you about my past in, in Judaism. It's, it's pretty impressive. And uh, let me, let me just get cut to the end here. Um, it doesn't work. <laughs> what they're, yeah. what they're trying to sell you. It, it doesn't work. Uh, he says point blank. Uh, this is in Galatians two fifteen. He says through works of the law, no person will be justified. So this is yeah. a Jew who's been there, done it, lived it and can say with confidence, um, it doesn't work. It, you're not going to achieve righteousness through works of the law. Um, no, none of us have, none of us will, none of us do. He said, instead, we likewise, we also, so we Jews, just like you Gentiles, have believed in Christ Jesus in order that we might be justified through faith in Christ and not through works of the law. So he's, right. he's pointing to this new provision of righteousness through faith in Christ that's been given and saying we Jews are are clinging to that because we've seen the old way and it doesn't work. It doesn't justify. It doesn't make righteous. It just condemns. It brings curse because of sin. And so we Jews, just like you are clinging to Christ. You don't need anything different. You don't need to listen to these false teachers who are saying that you need this extra stuff. We're doing the same thing as you. We Jews, uh, we're clinging to Christ by faith because that's where true righteousness is found um, through God's provision of, of the new covenant. Yeah. I love it. It's uh it it says very clearly in the Old Testament, there's this longing, right? This longing for this fulfillment, like a new heart often is language that you see used. And so you see this in Paul in Romans 2. For no one is a Jew who's merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inward, inwardly and circumcision a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. And you see like your words of like, it's going backwards. It really is a backwards. Like, why would you go backward to a physical circumcision? It, like when what we have is what you've longed for, which is a circumcision of the heart, a, 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 a fulfillment of all of God's promises that uh, to go backwards is, is to be less. It's lesser. And uh, that really matters to Paul. Yeah. And and for, it, yeah. Good. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, for Paul, it's all or nothing. I mean, it's, you know, right. you might conceive of, well, can I believe in Christ and just get circumcised um, so that I can kind of maybe cover all my bases? And he says, listen, this is in chapter five, verse three. He says, if you receive circumcision, you become a debtor to the entire law to perform mm -hmm. all of it. So you're, you're putting yourself under this obligation to keep the whole law. You're, you're putting yourself under this obligation that in order to be made righteous through the law, you have to keep all of it. Oh, and by the yeah. way, that's not possible. No one does that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, yeah. yes. I love it. Yeah. Well, would you take just a, maybe a minute or two here and talk about wh why does this matter? It didn't matter only to Paul. We see it mattering to people like Luther and others, and it still matters today. So it's not just a thing that's relevant for Paul and 
in his context, but there's relevance today. Could you just end us yeah. maybe with some thoughts there? Absolutely. So I think one of the thoughts that, that really helps take us there is, you know, Paul says, I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for nothing. That's kind of like a climactic point that he makes at the end of that discussion, which is, man, like the reason I'm so against uh, circumcision and, and, and you Gentiles receiving this circumcision is because if righteousness is, is, is acquired through the law, through the Old Testament law, then what is the purpose of Christ's sacrifice? He yeah. died for nothing. So he's kind of shining a light on that. So, but as we think about like kind of shifting to the present, I wanted to talk briefly about um, Martin Luther and, and the Protestant Reformation and the issue of justification. Because when we think about Martin Luther and we think about the, the Protestant Reformation, Galatians is right at the heart of that. Um, yeah. that's, that's one of the letters that, that Luther was reading that just set him on fire uh, with, 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 righteous uh, uh purpose uh to the glory of god in, in opposing a lot of the teachings of the roman catholic church so he was reading this letter and he was seeing it just in such stark opposition with the with the roman catholicism that that he knew um so he, he's kind of recognizing in paul um this issue of circumcision extends beyond just circumcision and it, and it really does speak to any and all attempts to justify ourselves by god uh, yes. before god according to righteous works um, now, some will criticize Luther for that jump, saying, you know, well, no, Paul is just talking about the law and, you know, Roman Catholicism isn't encouraging people to be circumcised. Um, so so there's kind of this question is, can we make that jump to, OK, um, is Paul talking about can we rightly understand Paul is talking about more than just the Old Testament law? Uh, and, and I think, yes, we absolutely can. Um, the way that Paul is talking about Abraham, for instance, He's contrasting the law uh, with the promise. He's saying that Abraham, prior to any righteous works, prior to doing anything, prior to receiving circumcision, uh, is counted righteous through faith. Um, so it's according to God's promise, acting through faith alone, right. uh, which, which justifies Abraham. So the law isn't even part of the equation yet. It's really a conversation at root. What Paul's talking about is the way that we stand right by God uh, is through faith alone. And any kind of attempt to add any merit or righteousness to that is 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 a is a misstep. He he kind of he's he's chastising these Galatians. He's saying, having begun in the spirit, which he, he's kind of identified as as hearing with faith, having begun that way, hearing with faith, begun in the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Are you now finishing by the flesh? That's Galatians three three. And I yeah. think it's really shining this light on uh, the way in which maybe we can start off uh in in the faith uh you know the right way by hearing with faith but then we start to think that we have to add all of these righteous works on top of that in order to stand rightly before god so i, I think luther is rightly seeing in paul this contrast between man's own effort to bridge the gap and god's own perfect provision of jesus christ um yeah. and so once again luther is seeing this huge contradiction between that message from paul and what he's seeing in the roman catholic church and and all of the means of attaining righteousness uh, that are prescribed by the Roman Catholic Church. So, so for me, one thing that was helpful in that is just thinking about, um, you know, our church, uh, for a reason our, our members will know, has, has recently had to think afresh through this issue of, of Protestantism versus Roman Catholicism. And is that a divide uh, really, is that divide really important? Uh, should that divide be maintained? And Gosh, one of the reflections I'm coming away with from Galatians reading this letter from Paul is, you know, absolutely, it's it's a critical distinction. It's it's so different that Paul calls it another gospel. 
Um, mm. So it's a very sobering uh, reality, but I think it's, it's a good reminder of absolutely this, this doctrine of justification by faith alone is, is, is absolutely a hill worth dying on. <laughs> you know, usually yes. we use that phrase to describe things that aren't. Well, this one, this one really is. And it's very clear as you kind of sit with Paul's letter that that's the case. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, one just final tie-in to uh, from Luther to Galatians to our last episode on Christian hedonism. So when Luther was on the brink of this discovery of this gospel, the gospel of grace, not of earning and merit or justification any other way, but in Christ, he said, if I could believe that God was not angry with me, I would stand on my head for joy. And then you see later, he gets it. And he said, I felt altogether born again. This is after he puts all the pieces together in his mind for the first time. It's as if he entered paradise itself through the open gates. Oh, how I hope you live in paradise. And, and so like, that's, that's our hope that we live in that like joy, that paradise, that happiness um, that he found through the doctrine of justification by grace alone, faith alone in Christ. And yeah. uh, it mattered to Paul. It mattered to Luther. It matters today. Absolutely. And I think that's just like a good place to close is, is, you know, I, I mentioned Roman Catholicism and the Reformation, but, but this is, man, the, the tendency toward works righteousness is, is everywhere. We see it all over the place uh, in society. Are you aligned with the right, you know, political or social kind of orthodoxy? Do you, do you change your, your Facebook icon to look like the right thing at the right time? Uh, are, you, are you aligned with the right kind of causes or purposes? I think there's all kinds of places that we seek this kind of justification by our own righteousness. And, and I think we see it in the church too. Maybe, maybe you have a thought like if I haven't confessed all my sins, sins, uh, God won't listen to me. Or hmm. if I've had a sinful day, I, I can't talk to God or I, I can't, you know, I can't take communion. So, so I think we have these thoughts uh, also in the church to where kind of this same kind of workspace righteousness can creep in. But, but to, to your point, like just the sweetness of this doctrine of justification Paul is using the language of like slavery versus like sonship and freedom. He's yeah. saying, stop living like a slave. You know, you need to recognize um, that all the work is done already. You're accounted, uh, you're accounted righteous before God already through faith alone. And he says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. So stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You're a son, you're a daughter, not a slave. Stop acting like a slave. You belong yeah. to the family you're in, you know, and, and like you said, just the great, the great peace and confidence and rest that comes from that reality um, is fuel for, for all of life. Yeah. Well, we'll end there. That's so good. And thanks for bringing us into the book of Galatians. It's just a joy to just hear from your time in that book and to walk us through this uh, truth that Paul is expounding in this letter to the Galatians. So thank you for doing that. And we'll be back next week and we'll start the gospel of Mark this Sunday at Table Rock. And we'll spend some time together talking about Mark one next week. All right. See you guys then. See ya.